time again welcome <laughs> to Seishura. i'm scoop magoot i'm jim jam and we thought it was about damn time we did another round of unpopular opinions yeah we're, we're, um, we're not we're not hated enough yet so yeah. <laughs> uh just because um i mean obviously we try not to be specifically negative um on a regular basis but i feel like what's cool about the when we do these segments we've done well this is our third yeah it's our third um it just it brings us some interesting conversation, uh, yeah. Which is always cool. You know, it's never just this sucks. Sorry, we're moving on. It's always you know, this is my hot take. Let's talk about said hot take. And sometimes we agree with each other. Sometimes we don't. So yeah, and I think, uh, you know, I and I think last time I I made a note that like I, I personally don't like having those like negative opinions that are just tantamount to like oh I think this artist sucks or I think this artist is overrated. Like I think that's just like you know kind of a born argument you know it's 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 not really an unpopular opinion as much as it's just like someone's preference uh mm-hmm. like i i feel like we should be talking about stuff that you know i i'm not saying that has to be you know positive or negative but like you know we're we're, we're, we're actually going to be getting hot takes instead of just being like oh poo poo this blah, blah, blah. so <laughs> um <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, maybe in another episode we can do that for yeah. an hour. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Um, how about you start us off? Yeah. So this um, was it's something that I've thought about for a long time, but it was kind of spawned by the recent reaction to um, Chance the Rapper, his new album. Okay. Um, and stick with me on this one. This is just kind of the, the the most succinct, fun way to put it. But to me, rappers and hip-hop, it's the ultimate, quote-unquote, popular guy in high school genre. So when you're when you're growing up in high school, I think everyone can um, kind of relate to this. There was always a popular guy, like a class clown, or someone who just everyone liked to like, have this persona. Um, and depending on how you thought of him, or depending on like, kind of your relationship with him... You either thought he was, like, the best guy and the funniest guy or, like, an absolute douchebag. And it just, it's all about, like, your preconceived notion. And I feel like rappers are the exact same way. Like, how you approach them as people and their persona and how they are totally informs how you analyze their lyrics. I mean, and so, I not to interrupt you, but, like, I, I'm, couldn't you, couldn't you make this argument about literally any popular music? Sure, yeah, but I think it's especially true for hip-hop because it is so lyrical. And the, where I'm going with this yeah. is I feel like every... Uh, well, I don't, I don't feel this way. I mean, it's, it's just kind of true. Every rapper has clunkers in their lyrics, and that's become especially true um, with the, you know, the high-volume nature of modern hip-hop. Um, you know, when you're constantly pumping out lyrics, especially in, on a pretty regular clip, People are going to have, you know, bad punchlines and clunkers all the time. Yeah. And I feel like for the most part, you know, it's how you approach an artist, what you think of him. Like, there, and the reason I thought about it is because, you know, Chance has some really corny lines. Cool. I mean, like, that's that's totally true. Um, but there are other people, like, Danny Brown has some lines that are pretty corny. And, like, they're meant to be funny. And, you know, Kanye West is the same thing. 
I, I was just thinking of that, like the the uh, the the bleached asshole line. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Like, and I just when it going down the line, like there are, and I, I'm talking, I'm not talking, trying to ape on or like, or you know, crap on other people. Th- there's artists I love who I find the same kind of type of humor or the same caliber of of lyricism. There are some moments or like some artists where I'm like, oh, I think that's funny or like it doesn't bother me that much. And other people were like Lil Wayne, for example, like, oh, my God, that punchline's terrible. And like, I feel like to me, and maybe it's just a me opinion, but I feel like that affects how some people review it. Um, and I, like I've, you know, some of the, the criticism I've seen of Chance the Rapper compared to how other people analyze other rappers uh, I, it's very much a persona genre first, and and some some of the similar types of lyricism we we've seen from some rappers that get you know praised on the other token, um, it's kind of a detriment or some a criticism of other rappers' lyricism. It's kind of a niche hot take, maybe a really bad one to lead off with, but it's just I, I've noticed it with myself that it's it's something that I feel is is a much more important part of analyzing hip-hop than people like so, to give on. Can, can you somehow, like, break that down into, like, one one easy sentence to, for me? Because I, I, I'm having a little trouble grasping exactly what, what you're um, getting at. I feel like uh, a rapper's persona is probably the most important thing. or It's probably the most important lens to which you view someone. Like, and you think that's a bad thing, or I don't think that's a bad thing. I think you know, not necessarily. I do think that it, it makes it difficult to be objective. Like mm. I think, I think I would find. Um, I think because I don't like Kanye, it makes me more hypercritical of his lyricism and just him in general. Um, yeah, and I feel like that. I mean, like there are some people who think, thought that corn, you know, uh, Chance the Rapper is corny from the get go, and, and they don't like him. But I think. Because Danny Brown came out at a time that he was more um, unique and he came, you know, approached the genre from a very interesting way. Um, some of his corner lines may have gotten a pass. I mean, I think there's underlying inherent quality there. Like, I don't think this is a, like a perfect. It's because of this they're good or bad. Um, so you're so you're kind of talking about like a double standard almost. Yeah, I mean, there's a double standard depending on someone's place in the in the yeah um, someone's place in the genre and whatnot. Um, I guess this is me kind of workshopping that <laughs> this in a way. Yeah, I, I see. I like like it's like I'm in total agreement with you. I, I I don't really see this as like an unpopular opinion, to be totally honest. Just just because like I I think you know go back to like the beginning of hip hop. You know, like it's it it's always been about the personality. I mean, you know, like you know, Rock Rockim's you know like draw was that you know he was that he would always rap about how good he was at rapping which is super meta but uh you know they and you have like you know i i'm thinking boom bap in like the 90s or like you know like nwa that like it's just like oh yeah what well, like how much like you know gangster shit can we talk about you know mm-hmm. like it's or like, like an odb type of figure you know that that like you know it's it, it's all about that ego you know it's. It, I feel like it's always been that, but like I, I think what you're trying to say is that like, um, I and you know maybe just let me know if I if I'm if I'm getting this wrong or not, but just that like there's this, uh, double standard that sort of like, people aren't judging uh rappers the same way, especially when it comes to Chance. 
you know, or, you know, they, like, they'll look at a Danny Brown and be like, oh, yeah, that's fine. But they'll look at Chance and be like, uh-uh, no way. Yeah, it yeah. Just, it's not, it's, and I'm, I only use Chance as an example because, I mean, I, I've listened to My Big Day or The Big Day or whatever the, the hell it's day. called. Yeah. Um, severely flawed album. And I, you know, as someone who's been in a big Chance band in the, in the past, um, you know, I think, I think it has quite a number of pretty obvious flaws. Um, but some of the lyrics I've I've read that people uh, like you know Pitchfork posted a pretty lukewarm review. Um, I think it was either Visible, not Visible Oranges, uh, what, what, uh, like Stereo Gum. I think a lot of people or Noise. It was it was a few different publications that kind of aped on the lyrics. Uh, and then there are a lot of mumble rappers or whatnot, which I, I don't really like using that term that often, but it's the most succinct way to say, you know, people like Young Thug or or people like that, you know, they get treated in a different light even though the lyrics are, are worse or, or less substantial. Um, and I think just the persona and, and the subgenre is much more important in some ways or how we analyze lyrics. Yeah, um, I, I can see that. I mean, it's like li- lyrics are such a, maybe, I don't know, I don't know if niche is the right word, but like it, it feels like it is because it's like, you know, most of the, you know, bullshit trap music that comes out nowadays is just you know it's 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 fucking bitches and it's you know it's it's all that stuff and like i'm not commenting on the sexism here i'm just commenting that there's that it's just vacuous as hell so um that like yeah that it's i i think it's funny because then you have someone like kendrick doing you know arguably the complete opposite and uh you know and even though i've never found his stuff to be <laughs> very compelling in that area but anyway huh okay. yeah i mean that's pretty much all i mean i my other ones are a little bit more direct yeah um, i just wanted to get that one out of the way because it just it was something topical that i've, I've had in my head yeah and uh, wanted to seem like the most appropriate space to I, kind of I, I, vomit I mean, it out it is pretty. I. I mean. I, I. I don't know if I find it funny, but like, it's entertaining watching. Uh, Fantano give that album a zero again and again. Um, even even though I feel like he's probably reviewed worst album worst albums than this, but I think that album was such a huge disappointment for him that it you know it probably deserved a zero in his eyes. I just think by his standards, I don't really... Th- I mean, obviously, it's his review, it's his rubric, whatever he wants to grade it. I just feel like by his standards, it didn't really make much sense to give it yeah. a zero. But, I mean, you know, it's his, obviously, it's his channel, his review. Um, I mean, I, I don't think it deserves... I think it deserves a, a relatively low grade, to, to be yeah. honest. But I don't... I guess I, I just don't see a zero, especially yeah, by... I, well, so I, I think it was a zero just because I think, you know, even with, let, let, like, you know, the first review that pops to my mind that is pretty low as well is uh miley cyrus's uh dead pets um album mm-hmm. and uh but even with that like there were some tracks that you know fantano enjoyed or like on a production level he thought were good but i think with the big day like there just wasn't anything that appealed to him whatsoever on any track like at least with like you know, like a Kid Cudi, like, you know, like on Speeding Bullet, I think there was like one track on that that, you know, he enjoyed. Uh, but like, aside from that, it was just a complete wash, you know, and I think it's the same thing here, except that there is no one single, you know, redeeming track whatsoever. So, mm-hmm. 
Um, anyway, the, that's I, the thing is like like I I haven't listened to the New Chance album. I don't plan on listening to the New Chance album because um, I mean even beyond the reviews for it, I I just have zero interest in listening to a Chance the Rapper album. Uh, it's already painful enough to see him in Kit Kat commercials. So, um. <laughs> yeah, he's he's Eddie. I think he did a Dorito commercial with the Backstreet Boys. Which oh, is Jesus like, Christ! It's like peak '90s revivalism because the Big Day has a ton of '90s like trends on it that you could totally like '90s R and B. Yeah. Like that. So I feel like he is definitely trying to like early 2000s, late '90s. Um, just very yeah. interesting. But but yeah, I th- I think it also was interesting how. Um, like, when people say they have their own rubric, I think that's why one of the reasons I'm glad that uh, uh, we got rid of scoring at Heavy Blog and other other sites I've seen get rid of scoring because no one's going to have the exact same rubric for every album. Like, every, yeah. every album comes out of different context and a different, um, you know, the, a different point in the artist's career and the point of the genre's, you know, development and stuff like that. Yeah. So it's like, you can't grade every single album by the same rubric. It just doesn't make sense. Oh, yeah, no, I, I get that. I mean, like, you know, I, I think I've talked about this before, but, like, my, my own rubric for, like, scoring movies isn't really based on, like, the quality as much as it's based on, like, would I watch it again? And so it, it, it ends up being, like, really screwy, like, sounding if you, if I try to explain it, but it just makes sense to me, and it's sort of how I just categorize things, because I just watch a lot of film, so, mm-hmm. um, but, all right, so, um, now for I, an actual, like, co- coherent hot take from <laughs> that okay, was, that well, was a weird loose end, and I'm glad the, I got that one out of the way. This is more of a, um, more of a production, um, hot take i guess um or you know sort of listening wise but i i think mono is just infinitely better than stereo when it when it it comes to you know the the sound that you're listening to um i would i would also but i would say for the most part like i think there are some exceptions like um like i think kim crimson has a couple albums then they're in the later half of their discography that they um if I'm if I remember right, uh, Fripp sort of uh, d- divides uh, the channels into different instrumental sections, or like so basically like he has like half of the band on one side and one half on the other, and it sort of like merges in, or like you know, or like Kylesa, for example, uh, you know, putting those uh, drums like on either side of of you know of the channels. Uh, but I just personally. I just don't like stereo, especially when it's, like, really early stereo music. You know, like, I'm thinking, like, early Beatles albums where, like, you know, you always have the guitars in the left and you have the drums in the right. Like, mm-hmm. I, I can't I can't stand that. It annoys me so much because, like, I, I want to listen to the entire thing and I don't want to have to, you know, feel like I'm, like, only getting part of the sound, if that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. So like I totally like get that. yeah so, so like I'll just like I'll I'll I actually turn on the the accessibility settings in my phone to make everything mono, uh, just because it's it's such a annoying pain in the ass to me, and I mean like like I, I get the reasons for liking it, for liking like a stereo type of sound like you know if you're listening to like um like, like you you know that car song um I think it's like moving in stereo. Mm, yeah. uh, the, the the one that's in uh, Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Uh, I, I, I am, am I making a reference that that you understand, Scott? 
Yeah, I mean, I haven't mm-hmm. seen that full thing, but I, I know like, you, I understand you, the movie. Yeah, you know the scene I'm talking about, where where, where uh, the the girl comes out of the pool and she takes off her top. Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, so because the, 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 I'm not the, that young. Jeez. Oops. I mean, I, I mean, to be fair, this is a movie that that's pretty old for both of us. So. That's, yeah, that's true. Um, my, I, my parents were children of the '80s, so we watched all these movies, and okay. it's actually funny because they would realize in real time, "Wow, this is like not appropriate for our like yeah. our kids to watch," because they they forget that PG in the '80s was uh, like PG thirteen, yeah, yeah. pretty much. Yeah, so. <laughs> but so like like that track, like you know, that track only works with stereo in a sense, mm-hmm. but like I. I feel like it, it. It's like I listen for a certain reason. Like, like I don't listen for like, oh, cool production effects. Like, I listen for for the music, for like, you know, the either the songwriting or depending on the genre, just sort of the the textural quality of the music. So, you know, it's <laughs> it's it's about sound. It's not necessarily about where the sound is for me. Uh-huh. Um. So, there's there's one. <laughs> Yeah, I have to say I, I'm I'm not a particularly good audiophile. Um, I don't really. I probably should look more into, um, like actually caring about that. I um, honestly, which, I mean, like, I, I would say you really don't, um, because like I, I think audiophiles make a really big deal about it. And look, look, I'm not I'm not trying to shit on them because like you know if 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 that's what if if that's what you know like rocks your socks you know let like go for it um but like like i just it's it's such a well of pretentiousness kind of mm-hmm. because like like and you get so obs- it's like it's such a rabbit hole to go down to like that it's just like there's just no end because like you're always replacing you know the the, the cartridges for your fucking needles on your vinyl player and like yeah, you know exactly. a, a, and you're like the only person who uses title because they, they, they have uncompressed oh, wow. audio and it's like like it really doesn't matter like, like i mean I, like at least to me and i i don't i don't think it would matter to you i i feel like for the most part because like for you like you want something that's interesting you you know like if their production's bad it's you know it, it sort of depends on the genre and sure. like, you, no, like that's a good point you, you, you don't really care like you know if it was like let, let, let's say if they um if, if they remastered like Transylvanian hunger or something like that yeah I'd be curious what that would even sound like yeah but 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 the thing is like like if you got uncompressed versions of Transylvanian hunger there's no fucking point yeah exactly <laughs> like, no, that's like a great point so you know it's 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 just one of those things like that I I, I wouldn't personally worry about you know not being a good audiophile because I think you know I audiophiles have their own thing going on. I think we have our own thing going on. So for sure. Um, what do you have for a hot take though? Um, it's a. I mean, this is more so for physical media, so maybe it's not a hot take since physical media collections on the decline. But at least for me, um, I think for the most part, and this is at least in instances that I've encountered. I think completionism is usually a waste of time and money. Um, I think yeah. that when you... And this is specifically for like artists with a pretty big discography. Uh, I haven't found an artist like that with like an actual... like I guess we're talking five plus or typically more albums where all of their... like the All the EPs, all the, the, 
the demo collections, all yeah. the, you know, ev- everything that they've ever released. Because I mean, I guess in the full sense of the word, that's what completionism is. And I haven't found an artist where I I, it, I feel justified in buying everything. Like good example, you know, Morbid Angel. I don't think I'll ever buy Elude Mick, what whatever the hell it's called. Yeah. Or actually, frankly, even their newest one, which I thought was was average at best. Um, same thing with you know Dark Throne. Is at one point I wanted to collect all their albums, but frankly, their newest stuff doesn't do it for me. Um, but you are trying to collect all the Melvin's albums, and that is the more recent example because the the Maggot, the Bootlicker, and the Crybaby. One of those I actually found that I was missing, and it's a it's a all entirely a covers album. And like I looked at it, and I was like, I already bought several uh, Melvin's albums in a row on several different trips. And I was like, I don't really want to buy this right now. Like, I, maybe this will be the one I leave towards the end. And looking through all, like, they've released so much material, Oh, yeah. Like, so and, much stuff. And, and, and like, we're just talking about studio albums. Like, there's a whole yeah. thing of live albums and even, collaborations. Yeah, even with studio albums, it's going to take for, like I mean, I guess I could, you know, fully dedicate myself and just, you know, buy them all off Discogs. But to find them organically or find them at, like, kind of a, a healthy clip and not just, I'm going to binge this all at once... <laughs> That's going to take a while. I, I, I've never done that at all. I know. <laughs> says, says the guy who has every single John Zorn 50th birthday album. <laughs> no, but I feel like that, that's, that's special, though. Like, um, um, I, 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 I guess. I, I don't know. See, with, with completionism, like, I, I, I get where you're going at because, like, there's no way... You know everything in an artist's discography is you know a going to be good, but also b going to be worth it. You know, worth even buying. Like, you know, uh, for example, like like I love the Dillinger Escape Plan. I have almost everything they've ever come out with. The only things I don't have, I think, are the like first two EPs that they came out, which was I think like self titled and Under the Running Board, if I remember right. Um, and I honestly. I'm not interested in getting either of those. Yeah, exactly. Just because, like, most of the tracks that show up on that show up on Calculating Infinity, and, you know, and I would argue they're probably a better version on Calculating Infinity, even though I I really haven't heard those EP versions. Like, I think that's one of those things that that gets me, is, like, I I don't want to pay money to hear a demo of the same song. Mm. Like... (laughs) Like the, that's why, like, like B sides and stuff like that, and like acoustic, uh, you know, cover albums just usually really don't do it for me. Like the, that's probably why I'll like never buy an unplugged album, even though uh, I own, I think every single Alice in Chains album except for Unplugged, and uh, their most recent one. But that that last one's just because I haven't like felt like buying it lately like, mm-hmm. because it's it, it's it's fine, you know. It's it's just that like. You know, they also have an amazing, you know, back catalog, too, so. Yeah, and that's exactly why I framed it as, you know, it's not worth the time and resources. Because, I mean, you, you can easily, it's not like it's impossible to do, but, like, I have yet to find, even someone like uh, The Smiths, where, you know, I have their four studio albums, um, Louder Than Bombs, and... Half um, Full of Follow? Yes, and they, they technically have, like, I think it's, like, a live slash... Published oh. album called Rank. Yep. Um, yeah. And that one, it, there's just so much overlap, and like I've seen it several. Like I could have, I've had several opportunities to buy it in stores, and I'm just, I don't, I just don't want it. And like I, I've yeah. yet to find an artist where I like 
like a true completionist approach, I've just frankly just I don't don't really want to do it. Um, I mean, we, we we know the one for me, but um, <laughs> what's that? Uh, I I'm just saying I'm just thinking because it's like I out of all the artists I I want to complete it was discography I want to complete I I just happen to pick like the most extensive discography there is. So yeah, but I, I feel like that I don't know like Zorn. It's I mean that's gonna be really difficult to do. Um, I not like, I'm I'm like I think I'm over halfway done at this wow. point. So, but I feel like that's more interesting. Whereas uh, I don't know, like just because of all the different, you know, the creativity that he brings to the table. And you the could releases. say that, but the thing is, like, if you listen to a lot of his work from like the past ten years, there's a lot of like stuff that he blatantly reuses. Like, I, and I'm not, I'm talking about like full musical passages that show up multiple times in yeah. multiple albums. And I, I mean, I think part of that is. You know, it has to do with context that I think uh-huh. his, you know, ideology not to get too into this is like, you know, um, sort of related to the order of events, not necessarily the events themselves. It's sort of how things relate to each other. Uh-huh. Uh, but yeah, like it, it's just, yeah, Zorn's a little different because it, it, it almost feels like you're like a historian and you're sort of collecting like, like literally just like archived footage of, yeah. of, of like what he's doing so but yeah I, I i agree with you it's you know even though i i will say that there are a bunch of bands that are artists that i would you know be a completionist for you know or already have been you know tom waits fugazi things like that mm-hmm. uh well it, the thing is even for them like fugazi is a soundtrack that i haven't bought and tom waits has two soundtracks that i haven't bought uh, because i think I just have no interest in yeah. all, any of those. I, though I will say, I think um, I wouldn't mind checking out his Tom Waits' live album, uh, Big Time, but that's neither here nor there. But I think that's what it comes down to, is that, like, you know, just, I don't really, like, why force interest in something? Yeah. Like, I, I just, I don't, I don't think that's, it's just not worth it. Um, and I, I think the reason this is really prevalent is I know, I know people well, I mean, over the internet, people I've met, but I know I know people directly who literally are not only completionists in terms of all the releases, but they have like multiple different color of vinyl variants. Oh yeah, no, the, like, they have all... that's insane. But like, that's the thing it is, it's not you know the people who do are completionists. They go hardcore, and I I don't think it's worth it. Like like I don't own multiple copies of maybe the only time I've, I've um, Owned because I purchased all of St. Vincent's other albums on vinyl, and I had her self-titled on CD. So I just yeah. went out and bought it on vinyl, and then I think I sold my CD copy. Um, yeah. But or like like there have been a couple times where I forgot I owned it on CD and bought it on vinyl, or vice versa. Because yeah, it was a good deal, and it's like oh, but like I just I don't see a need yeah. for it. I, I would say I with, get the... with different formats, you have a little bit of a, an excuse there. Sure, but... I can see that to an extent, but even there, I don't think there's that. I don't I, really I, get it. I'm just thinking, that, I don't know if you remember this, I mean, because I, I'm pulling way back when this when people actually used to like this band, but um, 30 Seconds to Mars' latest album, uh, I think it was America, it was called, but it had like 16 different covers that were all like, really the same cover. I, I don't know if you ever saw the cover for it, but all it had was just like words and phrases associated with america so like mm-hmm. so like uh, like some of them were just like sex moves and stuff yeah and it, it, it was just like yeah so 
there's going to be some 36 to Mars fan who has like 16 copies of this album. They're all exactly the same, except for the cover. I, but, I, you know, really, at least that isn't as annoying. Is it, you remember when, um, was it Old Man Gloom that put out, was it a- Ape of God, or was that Sumac? Uh, yeah, that was, uh, that was Old Man Gloom, yeah. Yeah, that, like, it, it, how many versions of, of that album were there? Oh, God, it, that was, and they played it off like they were trolling or whatever. It was, re- it was a little weird. It, it kind of was trolling. Yeah, <laughs> no, no, I'm saying they played it off as, like, ooh, we got you, aren't we so funny? It's like, I mean, like, you are trolling, but it's not, like, funny. Yeah, like, it's, 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 it's just, it's just annoying. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I, I think maybe that's like a performance artist like idea of a joke. Maybe. Yeah, probably. <laughs> but, um, okay. So I, I have a, I, I have a hot take about uh, a band that's, you know, um, maybe pretty. I'd say pretty well known. Um, so Avenged Sevenfold. Okay. Uh, yeah, most people hate them. I'm gonna argue here. I think they're actually a really good band. Really? But with the exception that their singer is basically Garbo. <laughs> just, I, 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 M Shadows is just, or yeah, I think it's M Shadows, right? Is is the vocalist? Um, yes. Yeah. Because I, I think he, he has the ability to be a good vocalist, but he just does not do it at all. Like, I, I, re- I remember listening to City of Evil again for, like, the first time in, you know, well over a decade, I think, you know, and just, like, the the songwriting and the performances on, like, the instrumental parts of it, like, flawless, like, flawless, but his, when, when he starts singing, he is just, like, he has, like, this nasal thing to, like, his voice, and, it, like, it makes me cringe almost, like, it, it, it like, it sounds like he needs, like, deviated septum surgery, <laughs> Uh, while he's singing, it, it's just it's very strange, and I I don't like it. But I I think people give the band a lot of shit when I I would argue that they're they're really really good at what they do instrumentally. Uh, what they do might not just not appeal to everybody. Uh, but like I really don't think that they're like this shitty band that everybody like thinks they are. Like like you know. They they aren't Imagine Dragons like they they, they can actually play their instruments. <laughs> so. That I mean I don't even I, I'm not a I'm I'm pretty agnostic on Avenged Sevenfold. I, me, some, me too. I, I would say songs for back in the day that I enjoyed, but Beast and the Harlot is still a great song. Yeah, I, I, I will totally, still argue for that. I totally agree that lumping them in with all, like all the like on a Nickelback level or whatever. Like yeah, or, or even like um on the latest uh or one of the later Lex Star- Let's Argue episodes on the Fantano channel, like uh somebody argued that like oh like putting putting Avengers Sevenfold next to Five Finger Death Punch is like doing them a disservice and like or like you know comparing them to them and it's like there's definitely a lot of crossover there, but like Five Finger Death Punch fucking sucks like <laughs> like like they, like that's an actual be- not good band. But yeah. but then but like you know again like Avenged Sevenfold like knows how to play their instruments they all play them very well you know uh, whether their whole image and sort of you know whether their sound is the most cutting edge thing you know is another debate entirely so I I just don't think that they're that band you know I think if if M Shadows wasn't their singer I think they would probably be a little more popular so. Yeah, I, I always, I mean, again, never been a huge fan, but 
he is is very obviously the weak one. At least for me. Yeah. Like, he just he's. I mean, I guess he's passable for the style. Like, I don't, he, he, his, like, his, like. I I think it's like he he has the ability to be a really good vocalist, but he just doesn't bother. <laughs> yeah, like I mean, I think the saving grace is that his voice, like his style, does fit the music. Yeah, it's not off. Um, yeah, I, I'm talking more about like, the timbre of, yeah. of like his voice, how just how nasally it gets, and yeah, just how no, annoying like, it I'm gets. I'm not a fan. I'm not a fan at all. The, uh, yeah. like it it just like does that. And it, yeah. I just like it's one of those things that like like it just surprises me that like producers don't just be like okay dude like <laughs> come on like, like like just just put some effort in please <laughs> yeah no hundred percent uh, yeah um so I think this is a hot take only because this is something that even still today bands will well whether or not they use it to describe their the progression of their career or um their you know mark whoever they, their pr or whatever labels do it but this is something i still see in like press releases and stuff like that that i find really annoying and like a little patronizing which is always weird considering the bands are doing that to themselves but i think when people say that a metal band is maturing by becoming less metal or dropping the screaming, I think that's super obnoxious, and it, it's bothered me for a while. Yeah, like, like for example, it's a, a really like blase view point. But what do you mean? Well, I I just look like I'm a little like, like that's assuming that you know one the correct music doesn't have screaming vocals. You know, like I, I it's it's there's a lot of pre like presuppositions you know uh uh, sorry presumptions you know within that uh argument (laughs) that that they're just inherently wrong for me it stems from the mainstream view that metal is like oh that's that cute music that you grow out of like it always bothers me because i mean this is i mean case in point the contortionist like that that has been a huge story arc throughout their career they started off as like that kind of spacey progressive death core and now they've become basically all like, all rock, yeah, like, kind of? like sort of like post rock, yeah, but like with like vocals, yeah, exactly. Everyone talks about how like like even people who don't like it, they say, oh, like they've matured. Like I've seen it, you know, in comment sections, people talking about it. Well, it's I, been see. I, I'm sorry. You, you, go ahead. Like, and I don't, I don't necessarily like a band can mature and become less metal, but you know, from the entire time I've been following metal, like that happens a lot. It's said, and it's always said with that kind of undertone. That it's always when bands become less metal, or they incorporate more non-metal genres and and kind of decrease the screaming, decrease, like up the melody. It just it's a very consistent trend, especially in more you know modern metal genres. I um, I think it's more like like I again I I I mean maybe we're both sort of misreading this in different ways, but like I sort of see when if people talk about that like I think. I, I sort of see that as more like like if we're talking about the contortionist, like you know the scene that they were in right before like before like uh what, what was what was that big album that they did? Um, Exoplanet where, was like the big one. No, no, no I'm talking about I'm they, talking about the, the the one where like they changed their entire sound uh, in, language. In, I think pretty sure it was called Intrinsic. I I'm um, sure I, was, I thought it was called Language. Um, language. Okay, yeah, it started with in, Intrinsic. 
because they became more of just a kind of a prog metal band versus but, a. Uh, but uh, yeah, language was the one where they truly became more alt rock. Yeah, so I all have to say, like I I think when people say oh they've matured, I think it's more like hey they aren't playing like the same old death deathcore that they used to that like you know they they're, they're thinking more as individuals than as you know some mindless band from a scene mm-hmm. um i th- th- that's sort of the way i see it but i think some people might could really say it as in like oh yeah you know <laughs> like 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 oh the screaming is so like you know low art you know mm-hmm. but it's like fucker like have you listened to the new like lingua ignota album exactly. <laughs> like you know um so I, I also i just want to point out i just looked this up on wikipedia they they have um the contortionist listed as avant-garde metal so this like again we can bring it up this on popular opinion because i brought this up before that uh people like to use that label and it is a uh, very very badly used <laughs> nowadays. Yeah. So uh, our metal is easily the the it's it's probably I don't say worst. Oh, I guess I will. It's it's probably the worst genre tag because it's extremely inconsistent and just t- just really is mis you know typically misused and just doesn't. Yeah. Like, it's very unhelpful because avant-garde metal sounds extraordinarily different depending on who's placing the tag on it and like yeah i i I mean avant-garde in general the label because it means it's a label that isn't a label Mm -hmm. it 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 describes the the negation of all other musical labels (laughs) like in a sense so like it it, you know it's i i think it's sort of like where like the logic of genres end in a way Mm -hmm. but uh, the, the, that's just a very small point. I, I feel like I bring that up every single time we do one of these episodes, so I'm just going to stop it right now. So, <laughs> um, <laughs> um, But yeah, I mean, th- th- that's pretty much it. Like, that's something that's... Bo- I mean, this has been since high school. Yeah. Is that, like, it, it just... It always... And m- maybe I'm misunderstanding what they meant, but to me, it always felt like them saying, you know, well, they're, they're growing out of that, you know, that silly little metal phase, and now they're becoming serious musicians. And maybe that's just me being sensitive because people have kind of dunked on me for like metal into different degrees over time. But yeah, that's just I, that's just always how the way that it's been positioned. That's how it always felt to me. See, um, l- l- like yeah, no, I I I think it really depends on the person saying it. Sure. More than anything. and I think it sort of also depends on the band that they're talking about because like you know I was thinking of like like you know think about daughters like the latest daughters album like you can't go into that and be like oh yeah they haven't matured like like they, they really have like if if you mm-hmm. you know if you listen to the previous self-titled daughters album we're talking about two completely different sounds going on you know like and it's not like they're they're toning down any of like that intensity and that brutal like that brutality it's mm-hmm. just that that they're funneling it funneling it through a different like lens basically mm-hmm. uh it's like I, I would consider that you know maturing you know, and it's not meant to be a degradation to the band at all. You know, it's, uh-huh. it's very much a compliment. But you know, again, I, it's it's all about context. So, um, I have one more unpopular opinion, uh, and then uh, I'll just leave it to you. But um, so, at least seventy five percent. I I would probably argue even more. I would say maybe in the verge of like ninety percent. 
at least but at least 75 percent of double and triple albums don't need to be double or triple albums oh god i mean honestly i would probably pump that up to 100 like they're like mm. and, and maybe that's just me being extreme but yeah i would say i would say more than 90 percentile i yeah. totally agree see with that. I, i'm a little like so like if you look up like best double albums like i feel like there are some some double albums that are actually like you know necessarily like that long um you know i'm i'm like okay soundtracks for the blind comes up i'm just looking mm. at just some yeah. random like or even like i mean isn't tago mago technically like a double album in some respects um maybe uh but then just because yeah or, or like the seer like which is yeah. like I, I was just listening to that yesterday uh you know, I think it's a great album. You know, or even uh, you know, Nick Cave, The Bad Seeds, Abattoir Blues, and The Liar of Orpheus. Like that's a double album too, and I feel like that that all of that material is actually really, really solid. Um, but then you have like something like, you know, uh, okay, this is going to be an unpopular one. I think people would actually get pissed at this, but Pink Floyd's The Wall. Like I actually really enjoy the album, but it really does not need to be two discs. Like, because like the there is, I think I think it's called the trial at the end of the second disc, it it just keeps going on and on and on, and it serves no purpose whatsoever except to just lose the listener. <laughs> yeah, like, I, I I totally agree. Yeah, I, I just don't. Um, I can't think of a double album that doesn't have. I mean, just because there has to be filler. Like it's so there's only so much attention span. I mean, there's filler on the vast majority of regular albums. So yeah. when you double that, there's going to, you know, at least it serves to reason that it would be double as much see, filler. I, see, I, I'm not, like, like, I don't think it would be 100%, like, I, but I think it would be, it's it's definitely up there. Because, like, you know, I, I'm even looking at, like, Rolling Stone's, like, 10 greatest double albums. And, like, you know, what do you expect? The White Album is number one. And I mm. actually really like that. I think all the songs in the White Album are great. I actually uh, agree with that, honestly. Yeah. So, which is actually kind of funny coming from you. Yeah, uh, it's, but, it's, it's very funny. But so, it, but but true. but then but then there are some other ones like uh, I mean Stevie Wonder songs in the key of life, uh, melancholy and the infinite sadness. Oh like, God, that bo- one has a ton of filler. Yeah, exactly. Like like it, there are some great songs in melancholy, it, but like there was a lot of there is a lot of just unnecessary filler in it too. And then I'm even thinking about like it, th- I think this problem has only gotten worse over time, especially with like just the introduction of streaming into like you know into the modern music business. Yeah. Because because like now we have like you know uh, like right. Do you remember when Ray Sremmerd came out with a triple album that like yeah, for yeah like, like, no reason yeah and but the idea was like oh like the first disc is like you know the duo together and then each you know following disc is you know one half doing sort of their own thing like Outcast did um, but you know except it, they're not even close to Outcast in really I any mean, way. I the, so I I'm not I'm not gonna compare them I'm not I'm not really talking about you know the quality because I, to be fair I've never listened to Race Farmer I have no interest but I'm just using it as an example because like I there there is just no way that a th- like a triple album from a modern rap group is necessary at all. No, absolutely, and just. Uh... Like Outkast, at at the point they released that album where each of them kind of took the reins, you know, they had built up credibility, they had built up their career, um, and they both obviously are extremely talented, both as producers and rappers. Yeah. Um, 
Whereas Ray Sturmer, I mean, they've done literally none of those things. Like, they have not been around for that long. They Their music is not, like... I mean, forgetting great, you know, that subject, but, like, it's not complicated. Like, how are you going to make three discs worth, worth of music in a very limited style? Um, but just keeping with hip-hop, I think, to me, the classic example is um, Life After Death by Biggie Smalls. Um, just because I think that album, if if it was refined, would be as good and potentially in the running for better than Ready to Die, his debut. Um, but because it's so long and bloated and has so many bad tracks on it, it's like, it's not even close. Yeah. It's not even, it's not even close to Ready to Die, in my opinion. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I'm looking more at some of these lists, like... And like I mean, like Bitches Brew, like I think Bitches Brew is a great double album. Like it's it, they're always like I think they're always exceptions to this type of stuff. But like, there's a lot of it. Like you know, a double album is something that like, I I think it's like a it's a very special thing that you only get, you know, once in like a very long while, but the in that like it's actually necessary. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Because, like, like, I think there are literally, there are some times that, like, you know, an artist will come out with something that, like, they, they, they just keep trying to cut these songs and they feel like they can't. Whereas, I think, like, you know, I, I, I would say this is sort of a fault of sort of this new independent movement of music is that, mm-hmm. you know, there isn't some producer looking behind these guys and being like, you really need to think about yeah, you like, really need to cut this down. Yeah, like, or do something about it. Like, even, yeah. like, if it's, like, release it as, like, a B-side, you know, or, like, do a B-size and rarities compilation or something like that later on. You know, mm-hmm. just do something about it. Because, like, you know, a lot of these are just, like, just so unnecessarily long uh, that it's just, like, it's, like, why? Like, I mean, and here's another unpopular one for me because uh, Mothers of Invention, Freak Out, um, I, it, it's... It's. I really don't like Freak Out. I'll be totally honest. Like I, I think it's. I think it's a. It's a good enough album, but like it is so long, and there's nothing in it that really like interests me except for like the track like that's called a uh, Help. I'm a rock. I think. I think that, that that's the only. <laughs> the only track I can think of that I'm like I, I legitimately like would listen to the album for that. So, you know, it's. Yeah. Okay, but. No, I, I, I totally yeah. agree with you. I think um, maybe off the top of my head, the only double album I could think, or like, I know people are going to disagree with this. I think uh, Yellow and Green by Baroness. I Personally, I don't think there's any filler in that. Like, I think yeah. that's, like, there are songs that, like, there are songs I like more than others, but I, I think it's a generally good album all the way through, and I enjoy all the songs. For me, filler is really defined... Um, by like a song that I think specifically if like an album feels too long okay what can be cut or it's just wow this is just a bad song or like, yeah but just, or maybe just it doesn't add to the experience yeah, exactly it doesn't add so, to the album at all for sure yeah totally um, get that yeah and I feel like that's just happening more and more and more and it's it's really getting annoying but yeah, for sure. speaking of annoying uh, yeah, the motorcyclist out there so pretty uh pretty cool guy so anyway, what what you got for me, Scoots? Uh, I'll do one more. Okay. Uh, because uh, I, I two more, but I, I feel like I, this yeah, is we're, the one I, I, we're we're getting up there. We, we, we'll make this a long episode. So yeah, um, I feel like of all 
the recent contemporary genres. Um, I think that Shoegaze has had the most significant fall from grace. Uh, just because when it came out of the gate, it was so incredibly new and innovative and, and just like such an interesting, unique genre. And now to me, it is one of the most homogenous, boring genres um, out there. And this is very much a me hot take, but I just, I feel like it's not only just sonically unadventurous and is really not uh, just really treading water at this point, but it's not even as, as popular as other kind of similar tangential well, genres. So here, here's just a rebuttal for you. Do you think it's maybe because people have a loose interpretation of what shoegaze actually is? Um... Be, be, because I, I think a lot of people, like, you know, tend to sort of clump shoegaze into, like, this, you know, like, indie rock type of, you know, thing. And I, I think that, like, they're like, oh, you know, as long as we put, like, plenty of reverb uh, on our on our stuff, we'll be fine. It'll be shoegazy. And it's like, that, that that's that's not true at all. <laughs> and actually, you know what? I kind of expanded. I agree with you. I feel like just the kind of really atmospheric, reverby shoegazy like dream pop indie rock like that whole kind of blobby sphere yeah um, i feel like that has just become super homogenous oh yeah really uninteresting and um it just it just from where it was like i mean when i think about like you know my bloody valentine i mean like what a huge album that was and now um it's just a really boring and it's not like because i was thinking the I have my opinions about, like, I think potentially country might have had a bigger fall from grace. But even in that case, um, like, it's hard to say it's had a fall from grace because it's so fucking popular. Yeah. Like, I mean, you know, like, my own subjective opinion of the genre aside, like, it has not really fallen out of uh, any popularity. You know, it's it's an incredibly popular genre. Whereas I feel like with shoegaze, not only I think aesthetically and just quality-wise it's fallen off, but, like... It's not really a thing, any, any, like it's not like the t- at least not the thing it used to be. Uh, only because I think you know when I first found um, Loveless, like it was a revelation for me. Yeah. Like I thought it was just such an absolutely incredible genre, or such an incredible um, Your album. Yeah, and and now <laughs> like this genre is not even on my radar at all anymore. Um, yeah. So yeah, I, that's what. I, I I can see that. I I, I would. I think I would argue, I would add on top of that, that I don't think Shugi has ever been, like, super, super popular. Yeah, for sure. I could, yeah. Um, like, I think it's more like, you know, I think Pitchfork and, like, those type of, like, you know, indie blogosphere uh, type of mindsets, I think, tend to, uh, you know, inflate it, you know, uh, artificially. Mm-hmm. Um, when, you know, I think it was, it's, it's sort of like you know, old school, like, like first wave black metal, or um, probably, I think I mean second wave, right? Because we're talking about Norway. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So, like, you know, I, like, it's, it's it's like them saying that, like, oh, yeah, like, it's a huge scene. It's, it's like, really not. It was just, like, a handful of dudes, you know, in, in Norway do, mm-hmm. doing this type of music, you know? Uh, so, it's, yeah, I, but, like, I totally get what you mean though because like that's part of the reason that i don't really listen to a lot of like indie music is because i think most of it is just that reverbed dull just you know boring boring songwriting you know it just like it feels like like 
I, it, it, it's like the equivalent of like taking like you know two codeine pills, and and, and just like laying in bed, <laughs> like like it's just it's it it's like it it doesn't make me but like I think I, that to, to sort of uh, paraphrase uh, Fantam's review of uh, like the, that little Zan album like it's it, like music wants I I listen to music because it makes me want to go out and do something even if it's like you know more low key or mellow. But like for a lot of indie music, for me, like or at least that like type of indie rock pop sound, it just makes me want to just be complacent, and I'm like, I, I don't like that. Like, mm-hmm. no, I totally get that. Yeah, uh, Scoots, you have an album of the week. I do indeed, and it was something. Uh, sometimes there are albums that I see throughout the year, um, new albums that I see throughout the year that I'm like, I should really listen to that. I feel like I'll, I like it, and then I just I just don't. Uh, and then finally when I do, I'm like, God damn, like, why didn't I do that? <laughs> um, this one came out in March, and it is called Pony by Orville Peck. God. Oh, yeah. Is, is that the, that the country album, right? Yeah. It, it's, man, like, from the first track, I was like, oh, I'm going to love this. And I've been, it's easily shot into, you know, some of my favorite albums of the year, like, period. Um, is it? It's the one with the mask on it, right? The, yeah. The in, it, yeah. It's, it's like, I mean, I guess depending which way you want to spin it, it's either like shoegaze, I mean, excuse me, it's a, a country channel through like a post-punk shoegazy lens or vice versa. That sounds really it, weird. It's really interesting. And to me, the vocalist sounds like uh, Morrissey doing his best Elvis impression. Oh it's my really God. Weird. Okay. Yeah. I'm, I'm putting this on, you said Orville Peck. Orville Peck, yeah. Yeah, I, I am I am putting this on my listen list because which is Morrissey doing an Elvis impression. It just that, sounds so funny to at me. At least that's the closest I've I've come to like really nailing down. Uh, you know be okay, so so I wanna reverse this. I'm gonna hear Elvis doing a Morrissey impression. Yes. Or, or I wanna see amazing. I wanna see Danzig doing a Smith's cover album. <laughs> just, oh, <laughs> like can we make that happen? Like, can we go to debate.org and start this? <laughs> Yeah, we really should. <laughs> oh man. Okay. Well, they, so that's really interesting, though. Uh, you know, it, it's been cool to see you like really get into country as of late, like it really yeah. expand it more. So it's just uh-huh. it just really is click. I don't know something about this year. It just really clicked for me, and and I'm really glad I've, I've yeah. Been... I, well, so like I I'm, I'm okay. If you'll allow me to wax philosophical for for a few moments, uh. I personally believe that, you know, I, I think there's sort of like a time and place for everything mm-hmm. in a sense. And, you know, I like when it comes to either learning or liking something, you know, I, you know, you sort of, there's sort of a lead up to it. So you sort of have to follow your gut at the moment and eventually it'll open up these possibilities because like, like, I mean, I would agree that like, you know, it. You know, even five years ago, if you were like, oh, hey, Jimmy, you want to listen to this country album? You know, I'd be like, fuck you, Scott. Like, <laughs> like, but, but, you know, now I, like, this is actually, like, you know, interesting to me. Like, you know, I, I think, um, was it last week? Yeah, I bought, like, uh, Towns Van Zant's, like, self titled album. I was listening to it last week. It's fucking amazing. You know, mm-hmm. like, it's, it's like, it's, it's not shit I would listen to very, very you know uh back in the day um but anyway so my album of the week uh is uh a john zorn album that just came out 
uh, I actually ended up putting like down like a ton of money and uh, buying like his like newest three albums. So the Hero Fan, which was you know uh, piano trios based around tarot cards, or at least in the major arcana. Um, then there was uh, this like I, I guess it's like classical guitar basically it was it was like an installation he did for like a thing about francis of assisi which was interesting but this latest one is my album of the week and it is called uh tractatus musico philosophic philosophicus i think and uh it is one of the most insane things i've heard from zorn in a very long time and that's saying a lot i i would say um it is like he if you look in the liner notes for this thing he describes it as sound painting um and it's kind of like that like there are certain times where like uh his own voice that's like heavily modulated will come in and say something from wittgenstein's you know uh tract tractatus philosophicus Hmm. uh which is you know what a lot of this is based on like the album cover and everything and the liner notes had pictures of like Wittgenstein and his notes and things like that. Um, but a lot of it is just like, you know, uh, it's almost reminiscent of like the file card composition days. So like, you know, Godard and Spillane. Uh, but then there's like, you know, like there's some like there's, you know, he adds some sax in there. There's some Fender Rhodes a little bit, you know, and everything, everything on this album is done by him. Like there is nobody else on this thing except for him. And it's really interesting. I mean, it, it's only like 37 minutes. It's one track. It's just really, really interesting to me. Um, and his sax playing has... It feels like there's like new energy. Because like I, I think the last couple albums I've heard him play sax, and it, it felt like he wasn't... He was just kind of playing by the numbers. But like this really felt like he was really like just... Not exactly trying something new, but like there was a lot of passion in what he was doing. Uh, nice. Yeah, that's really cool. Yeah, it was really really cool. Listen, uh, you know, I I want to say that they'll, they'll probably have it for sale at like Bull Moose because I, that, that was actually where I first heard about it. They had it on um, they had it on Bull Moose's online page before they even announced it on Zadig. <laughs> so that's that's <laughs> that's a new one for me. Yeah, that is a new one. That's interesting. Uh, but it kind of doesn't surprise me with the way you know Zadig's website is run. But um, yeah. So that is going to be our episode for this week. Uh, Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you guys later. All right. Sounds good. Bye. Bye.